Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. I was away for the, the last two weeks, or just the last week. Uh, we did the Otter Trail in uh, the Eastern Cape, and it was just lovely. And so, it's, yeah, it's good to be back. And so this morning, we're going to continue on the series of Galatians. Uh, two weeks back, we started with the series, and Lainey gave us such a real good introduction to Galatians, to what we can expect to learn in the book of Galatians. And then last week, Johan shared about just how it's all about Jesus, the freedom that we have in Christ just to worship Him. It's all about Him. Today, I'll be continuing on the book of Galatians, and I'll be sharing on faith versus works. Now, this is going to be one of those 50 lashes less one preachers. Are you guys ready for it? All right. So you might be asking yourself, how is this relevant to me? Because we, do not, we don't live under the Jewish law anymore. Okay, the Jewish law fell away with the time of Jesus. So how is this relevant to me? Because this is talking about the law, uh, works of the law versus faith. But this morning, I'm going to try to make it as practical as I possibly can. And at the same time, I just want you to understand that there are so many facets in the book of Galatians, so many points to talk about. And I'm only, only going to be pinpointing on, one of, on a couple of those points. And um, what I'm going to share with you today is what I really feel that God wants to share with the church this morning. Is that all right? Good. So usually when we hear the word righteousness, what happens? We roll our eyes and we sigh. We say to ourselves, ah, oh, they're talking about that thing again. Because nobody understands the word righteousness. We sometimes use these big words, righteousness, salvation, glorification, justification, and all of these words to just sound more spiritual, don't we? But righteousness basically means right standing with God. It means that you are accepted by God. And even though we break it down, I don't think that we really understand the weight of this term, right standing with God. Now, all of us would know we live in, this, in a society where you don't just get something for free. Okay? If you want something, you either have to pay for it, you need to give something in return for it, or you need to work for it. But you don't just get something for free. Because of this, it's hard for us to understand right standing with God. Because there is nothing in this world that you can ever do that will make you right with God. It's only by what Jesus has done on the cross and by accepting that and believing in Jesus that makes you right with God. It doesn't matter if you give billions of dollars to orphanages. That doesn't make you a little bit more right with God. Not even a little bit more right. It's only by what Jesus has done on the cross that we are righteous. And if someone had to come to you and ask you, are you go if you died today, would you go to heaven? What's the first thing we usually think about? That we go to church enough? That I pray enough? That I give enough? Was I nice enough? 
And if you think like that, you miss the whole point of a gospel. It's not about what you can do to make yourself right with God. You are not your own Savior. Jesus Christ is your Savior. So my first point, righteousness by faith. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians 2 verse 16. We're going to be reading up until 21. Verse 16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuilt what I tore down, I proved myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And God, we need to understand that God didn't just make us right with him so that we can go to heaven. God made us right with Him to enable us to live for Him. Now, I want you to understand this next point. This next point is very important. If you do not understand that you are right with God, you cannot live for Him. You will only be able to live for yourself because whatever you are doing for Jesus, you are actually just doing for yourself in order to make yourself right with God. And you're not doing it for God. By understanding that we are right with God is the first step to Christianity. If you don't understand that, you cannot go to the second step. You're only fooling yourself thinking that you can make yourself right with God. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Matthew uh, 6.33 says the following. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and His righteousness. There's a reason God, uh, Jesus put those two together. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you don't understand that you are righteous, Jesus made you righteous, then you will build your own kingdom. You won't build, you won't build God's kingdom. Proverbs 17 verse 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. You might be thinking, what does this verse have to do with anything? Let's read it again. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Now let me ask you this. How many times have you condemned yourself after Jesus declared you righteous? You are an abomination to the Lord. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Jesus paid the bill, He paid it in full. Okay, that's the end of the story. We no longer have to earn God's acceptance or right standing with God. When I became my father's son, when I was born, okay, I became my father's son. 
I now have to earn his acceptance. Okay? I don't do chores to stay his son. I do chores because I'm a part of his family. And I understand that there's a role that every person needs to play. I don't do the word of God to stay a child of God. I do the word of God because I'm a part of his family now. And I understand that there's a role that every person needs to play. The role that I need to play in the family of God is doing the word of God. We are not our own savior. Jesus is our savior. If you go back to verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, I'm no longer driven by condemnation. I'm no longer driven by people's opinions. And I'm no longer driven by my, my own ambitions. I now follow Christ day by day and allow him to increase my spiritual effectiveness. Bill Johnson said, said this, Great faith doesn't come out of great effort. It comes out of great sacrifice, great surrender. And it's only when you surrender everything that you have and that you do that you can pick up the life of Christ. See, if we are supposed to be dead and Christ is supposed to be living inside of us, I've said this many times, why do we give the devil a time of our day if he condemns us? Why do we give people with bad opinions a time of our day when we are supposed to be dead and Christ is supposed to be living inside of us? Who of you guys have ever tried to get a reaction out of a dead person? Hey, poke him on the ribs. They were sensitive. You won't get a reaction. So don't give a reaction to the devil or to people's opinions. You are dead and Christ is now living inside of you. My second point. The spirit through faith. The spirit through faith. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians 3, verse 1 to 5. It says, Oh foolish, and I added selfish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive a spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, for those of you that don't know me, I really love church history. I love reading up on God's generals, I love reading biographies of the greats that made a big difference here on earth in God's kingdom. And I love reading those stories because it inspires me to do the same. It inspires me to step out of my comfort zone and do something for God. But as I go through history and read on, on, on um, everything that happened, 
there's a pattern that follows in every revival that has ever started. All the denominations that has formed where massive revivals break out went from the spirit to the flesh. They went from faith in the spirit to legalism, from faith to works. And that's the quickest way that you can you get rid of a, a, a spirit of God in your life. Not that, that God goes away. You just don't give God a place in your life anymore because you think that you can now earn your own salvation. You can now do this by yourself. And there was a time when I found myself becoming so complacent with life because of familiarity. And um, it was familiarity in the church, in my own personal life, with outreaches, just doing what I always do. And it was like I was just going on autopilot, if, if that would make sense. Just doing it, doing what I always do, and not realizing that something was wrong. And God had to wake me up and He had to tell me that, you cannot live like this anymore. You cannot go on and do the same things and expect the same results. Paul said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Do you think that you can go from the spirit to the flesh and get the same results? And so God had to come and wake me up. And he had to come and tell me that live by faith. Even if you do it a thousand times, Still do it by faith. Be expectant for even greater miracle. And even though we come to church every Sunday, whether it's to serve or to receive, we must be very careful not to fall in the same traps of regulations, falling into works and not faith. And so we can come to church, we can come to prayer meeting, we can say our elegant prayers. Um, hear praises from people. We can start our worship. We can lift our hands super high so that God sees us first. We can sing loud so that God can hear us. Um, when, oh, and don't forget when, when we pray for people, stretch out our hand extra far so that there's extra power. We can live like that, but if we live like that, we miss the blessings that God has for us. It's not by works it's by faith. My third point. The righteous shall live by faith. Living in righteousness. Galatians 3 verse 10 to 14. You can open up there if you've got your Bibles. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written... Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. For that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive a promised spirit 
through faith. Now, I like that. The righteous shall live by faith. You know what I've seen with faith? It scares people. It scares people because they don't understand it. You are going places, you are doing things where they cannot go. You are doing things that they cannot do. And at the same time, it's waking people up. You can only go so far with your own efforts. And you will get super frustrated, I promise you. But there's no limits in Christ. There's no limits when you put your faith in Christ. So in this passage of Galatians, Paul is explaining how in the Old Testament, you live by the law. If you live by the law, you had to do everything that the law said. Okay? If you missed one law, that was it. Done. You were unrighteous. In order to be righteous, you had to fulfill the whole law. The thing about the law is, though, that no faith is required. Because the law tells you exactly what to do and when to do it. There is no faith required if you, if you live by the law. But if you come to Christ, you require faith. And you had to do the law because, not because of you wanted to, but because you had to. And then Jesus came and he changed all of that. He's now so concerned, more concerned about your heart. He now gives you the freedom and, and he wants you to do it because you want to do it, not because you have to. See, the quickest way to find out what somebody's heart is, is to give him the freedom, give him a choice. And whatever he chooses, obviously that's what's in his heart. So Jesus gave us freedom to see whether we will serve him, whether we will live for him, or the, whether we will not. Whatever's in your heart, shows by what you do. Now, I want to illustrate this point. Luke 17, verse 7 to 10. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. See, Jesus is not interested to tell you to do everything and how to do it. If you have to continually tell you what to do, then there's no reward in that. Because you don't choose that. He told you to do that. And the servant in this parable knew that his servant, if his master comes back from home, he would want to eat and drink. So if the servant knew, then why didn't he just make the food? But instead, the servant had to be told what to do. He couldn't think for himself. And Jesus said, that is an unworthy servant. Do you know how many times I've heard people say that I will only do what Jesus tells me to do? Have you guys heard that? I want to tell you, I, well, I hate to break the news to you, but you are an unworthy servant.
If you know what needs to be done, let's get busy. What are we waiting for? There are people starving. There are hospitals that's full. There are countries that need help. What are you waiting for? We do outreaches almost every, every second week. What are you waiting for? We are going on mission trips to Zimbabwe, to India. What are you waiting for? And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but in the Great Commission, Jesus only gave us the Great Commission. He didn't tell us what to do. He didn't tell us how to do it. When we look at Mark 16 verse 15, it says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. See, if the how part was important, God would have showed you how to do the how part. That's a lot of hows in one sentence. He just taught you, go and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. The how, he left up to you. He wants you to take initiative. And you know the amazing thing is, even if you make a mistake, there's grace for that. Because there's no, there's no law that you can fail with. Like, he gave you the guideline, go preach the gospel to the whole creation. And even if you mess up a little bit, there's grace for that. God's grace covers you, and you will be able to get up your feet again, also knowing that you're already right with God. I know that sometimes you see people that, that fell in terrible sin, and then you just see them getting all involved and doing things. I don't know if they just think that they can earn their own salvation. It's not by what you do. It's by what Jesus did. And the aim now is to move from slavery to, to sonship. God is trusting us as his children. And um, God has given you everything that you have to see what you will do with it. Just like God gave the animals to Adam so that Adam would name the animals. God didn't give the animal names. Adam did. So God is trusting you with, in, the, in the circumstances that he has placed you, the family that he has placed you, to see what you will do. Not what he will tell you to do, but what you will do. That's where faith comes in. Because we don't necessarily always know what to do, but it takes faith to discern what, what is pleasing to God and what not. And so we always seek to please God. And he has opened up amazing Job opportunities for a lot of people here. What will you do to glorify God in your job? He has given a lot of people here families. What will you do to glorify God? He has put amazing people around you. What will you do to glorify God? And I want to end with this. God is giving us an empty canvas. Every single one of us. A spacious place where we can express ourselves in Christ. Living for Him. Not trying to earn our salvation, but just living for Him. May we come to church not to worship God to get something from Him. Let's worship God just for who He is. Is that alright? Shall we stand?